politics without the soap opera with unfiltered constitutional conservative truth. The Conservative Review with Daniel Horowitz. And welcome back, fellow American patriots and Minutemen yearning and chomping at the bit to fight for everything that matters from life, liberty, property, standard of living, quality of life, sentient humanity itself is all on the line here for a brand new month, uh, May 1st at CR Podcast. Daniel Horowitz, your host, back here today. My email is danielhorowitz at startmail.com. Uh, Twitter is at RM Conservative. All my columns you can find either at the Blaze or Conservative Review. And uh, it doesn't really feel like May here on the East Coast. It is quite cold, but uh, we got the climate lie, just like we have the vaccine lie, where we remake society and civilization, earth-shattering, immutable decisions made based on lies, and nobody questions them in either party. Congress is out again with everything going on, but the Democrat-controlled Senate is always there. So yeah, I mean, I guess uh, we got the same problems. New month, same problems, same proposed solutions, no takers. So we got a lot to talk about in this brand new week here. We got some economic news, we got state legislative stuff, we got presidential stuff, um, and we have no leadership as always. It is a big week, by the way, in... Uh, the Texas legislature, a lot going on there, uh, border, medical freedom, a lot to really fight for. But we don't because here's the thing. Half the states that the GOP controls are full of a bunch of loser Republicans, and there is no meaningful pressure or focus because we all, we're all drunk with the soap opera at the federal level. Um, we're all drunk with rote politics. And we're certainly all drunk with the character of one man. Now, our our sponsor today is has been so much of this year is our friends at Patriot Academy. I really enjoyed our defensive handgun training together, those of you who went out there with me. But those who couldn't make it, fear not. They have courses for the next couple months already lined up. You go to patriotacademy.com slash Daniel. And you will find options, by the way, for the five-day and three-day defensive handgun training. I, I can't even give it over to you. Everyone who goes says, I didn't do a proper job. It is just so much fun. The skills you build, it's not a matter of target practice. It's learning how to win a defensive situation. So we got May 12th, May 22nd, June 2nd, and June 12th are the next days and in each one of them, there's going to be a three-day option and a five-day option. I definitely recommend the five-day option. Those of you who can't take off that long, it still is worth it for the three-day option. Again, find the details there at patriotacademy.com slash Daniel. So real quick, uh, before we get to the main news, just wanted to get to some economic news. Um Last week, I, I missed this, but economic growth dropped from 2.6% to 1.1%, more than 50%. Uh, this is in the first quarter. But if you take out government spending, remember, government spending is one of the four components of GDP, the growth was actually 0.3%. And let's face it, a lot of the rest of the economic growth is all crony growth built off of government subsidies, mandates, monopolizations, and market distortions. So basically, we're in a recession 
with inflation, a.k.a. stagflation. So that is our economy for you. Meanwhile, First Republic Bank failed, the second largest bank failure in American history, I guess, after Washington Mutual. And of course, J.P. Morgan bought them up. So this is all designed, the Federal Reserve, the congressional spending, it creates asset bubbles, it creates reliance on easy money, then they raise interest rates unnaturally, they're probably going to raise it again tomorrow or Wednesday, another uh, 25 basis points. And then the small banks, mid-sized banks go out of business, and J.P. Morgan, uh, you know, Citibank and all these, you know, the the big five or six that are left, buy them up, just like with healthcare. So they're doing the same thing with banking as they did with healthcare. And as we well know, monopolies don't just create a lower quality of life, a quality of goods and services at a higher cost, but also in the era of the Fourth Reich, it is designed to create a... um, I'm forgetting the German term I kept using from the Fourth Reich, but basically where they synergize the ideology of the state with all the private actors. So that's your ESG, that's your DEI, that's your vaccine passport. You can't get any money for certain purchases or anything if you're a bad boy. Basically, the total assets of the 511 U.S. bank failures from 2009 through 2022 was 339 billion. Okay? The three US bank failures in just the last 2 months. Okay, so that's uh First Republic Signature and obviously Silicon Valley 548 billion just from those three. So all is bad in that front and you would think with economic news like this with Democrats in power, we should be able to run away with it. But who's the we? We don't have a we. So we rely on the Republican Party. Now, we're told, and I've been told my whole life in politics, that there's nothing we can do but try to win national elections. That's the most important thing to do. You got to, everything has to be geared towards winning national elections. Okay, well, what does that mean? What does it mean we winning? Well, we don't have any party, so it means the Republican Party winning national elections. But what's the point of electing Republicans? Well, you'd say presumably so you could pressure them into doing the right thing and certainly preventing them from actively making our current situation or current law, current policy worse than it is. Yet, here's the joke. Right now, without doing anything spectacular, they already control half the states with no Dems in sight. The Democrats are like, Democrat Party in half the states are like a parked car. There's not much they can do. And yet, time and again, not only are they declining to pass good things, but they're actually making bad things worse. I want to get to a couple of examples, but I first want to lead off with what I believe is the most significant news story of the day. It's an article, well, there's actually a few articles being written on this local media, but this is from NBC, how Minnesota is becoming a laboratory in pushing progressive policy. Minnesota is becoming a laboratory. Now, who cares about Minnesota? It's just kind of a random, quiet state. Um, And you're right, but it's not so much Minnesota itself. It's the example 
it sets is just unbelievable. Now, folks, Governor Tim Walz, you know, like every Democrat governor, he pedaled to the metal. There's no, like, half-liberal Democrat, uh, all-liberal, like, Republicans where, you know, they're all fraud. Maybe one agrees with you on one issue, one agrees with you two. And we only have one governor out of all the Republican governors who tries every day to fight on a new issue. They, Their governors every day is pedaled to the metal. Some are quieter about it. Some are more vocal, like Gavin Newsom, but they're, they're all inexorably committed to their agenda. A lot of you might ne- never have heard of Tim Waltz, but there is not a single issue for which he's not a radical leftist, and he's not actively pushing his agenda. Now, so he's been there for a while. He's on a second term. And basically, basically, they've had the House for a little while. And then... But Republicans had the Senate for a while, and in last election, they had a bad result, and the Democrats flipped the Senate. Now, I want to remind you guys that even—so so they, so they just won a trifecta. I want to show you what Democrats do when they win a trifecta. Now, the reason why we're hearing about Minnesota— and not most other states, because the other blue states, they've had a trifecta for long. Now, they are always thinking of new innovations— but the point is, they don't wait around. They've already maxed out. I mean, California got california a long time ago. You know, in my state of Maryland, they did a couple bad things this session, but they've mainly maxed out, whether it's medical fascism, whether it's the climate stuff, energy, crime, illegal immigration, sanctuary cities, you name it, these guys, they, they do it immediately. They don't wait. They don't build over time. Now, I talked last week, um, you know, about having to play the long game. But, again, it's only working with the rhinos we have. Ideally, we shouldn't have to do that. And the Democrats don't have to do that. And I just, before I read this NBC article, I just want you to know, it's not like they have super majorities. So they have the governor. They've always had the House. It's 70 to 64. Okay, it's just a three-seat majority. And then the Senate, it's 34-33, razor thin. Okay, so when Republicans have majorities like that, forget it. I mean, there's, there's nothing doing. So they have a trifecta, but nowhere near super majorities, and in fact, extremely narrow, which is a one-seat majority in the Senate. Yet, um, when Minnesota Democrats won back the majority in the state, they achieved the dream, a trifecta, Um. And nearly four months into the legislative session, Democrats in the state have already tackled protecting abortion rights, legalizing marijuana, restricting guns. They have signaled their plans to take on issues that like expanding paid family leave, providing legal refugees to trans youths who access gender affirming care. Um, And they're just running up the score, running up the score. They've codified abortion. They funded school meals for all children, all meals for all children, set a goal of getting rid of cars by 2040, allowing illegals to get driver's licenses, um, giving 55,000 felons the right to vote, automatically registering people to vote when they get a driver's license, um, you name it. And then now they have they have a bill, and, and I'm forgetting a lot of things, so those of you from Minnesota could probably clue me in. But uh, they, where is this? They have a bill that's going to 
allow the Child Protective Services to take away children if the parents don't accede, allow them to cut their balls off. Jeff Blodgett, a Democrat strategist based in St. Paul, said states really are these places where policy can happen, can be copied by other states, and then ultimately go national. And right now, Minnesota is the model for that. So look at what they do when they get a trifecta. I want you guys to think about that. And as you think about that, you might want to unplug from screen time and put in your Raycon wireless earbuds. I've been traveling a lot. I have you know, a lot of travel, uh, or at least for me, relatively. And that's the time I use earbuds a lot on airplanes. And let's face it, you know, there's there's a lot of these companies out there that try to dupe you into uh, getting a knockoff brand or something. Here you get quality premium audio by at Raycon, but for a price point that is not among the premium brands. Um, get a pair and a spare at buyraycon.com slash conservative. They have three customizable sound profiles. They have earbud tap functions, noise isolation, awareness mode. So if you're walking on the street, you can't get knocked out uh, you know, by one of these criminals creeping up behind you. Um, I sweat a lot, look, and so they're water and sweat resistant. You have eight hours of playtime. Again, crystal clear sound. They have 50,000 five-star reviews. And if it's too much, they they offer a buy now, pay later option. So right now you can pay as low as 18 bucks at checkout. Um, easy free return guarantee as well if you don't like it. So go to buyraycon.com slash conservative today to get 15% off your Raycon order. That's B-U-Y-Raycon, B-U-Y-Raycon.com slash conservative, buyraycon.com slash conservative. So we've seen this dynamic already in Virginia and Colorado. Those were two states in the past. Now, Virginia flipped back, but we're immediately, it's not like they tip into him, boy, we're on borrow time here. We're just going to do maybe more populist liberal issues, but not like the hardcore transhumanist thing. All out, cut the balls off, partial buds abortion, illegals voting, everyone voting, felons voting, you know, ban cars, the full shebang. They have a one-seat majority, one-seat majority in the Senate there. There's nothing they won't do because every one of their members, even in a state that they could potentially swing away from them, so it's not just every Democrat in California is a fruitcake. Every Democrat in every state, by the way, in the red states too, um, it's just they don't have majorities. They are absolutely nuts. There's no such thing as a more moderate Democrat in any way. And when I say moderate, I mean like a full FDR, LBJ, Bill Clinton, you know, New Deal leftist, albeit you're just not into this new craziness. No, they're all into that. So the lesson needs to be, why is it that we can't have nice things in all the states where we have supermajority trifectas? I mean, there's some states you don't have enough Democrats to even populate all the committees. And yet we get nothing. You know, there's some good news in Kansas. My buddy Mark Stephanie has been on the show. He's an anesthesiologist. They did get passed out of both houses, HB 2285 and SB6, which basically make it that all health care recommendations from the county health departments, they're all recommendations. They can only be guide recommendations and not mandates. So n- no mandates. 
And it also bars the Kansas secretary from ever mandating COVID shots on school-aged children. Okay? And by the way, remember, we talked about last week, a lot of people are disappointed in Florida that, you know, it's, it, do, it doesn't ban mandates immediately in all shots. It just has religious exemptions, but it bans them completely for COVID and mRNA and EUA. This is the best we can get in Kansas, which is much less. Doesn't address healthcare settings, doesn't address masking in healthcare, doesn't address EUA and mRNA. It's just COVID shots, just for school age, age children. And then it has just in general no mandates from the county health departments. Like that's the best we can get. Pathetic. And it did pass. Now, what's interesting there is they have, they do have a Democrat governor. All right, Daniel, well, she's going to veto it, so you can't blame it on Republicans. That's not a trifecta. Yes, it is a trifecta because they have super majorities, so the, they could override the veto. But they don't because of the rhinos. And that's the problem. This is what happens when we don't have a movement that is focused on the issues that matter, matter and the way they matter, at the time they matter, where they matter. I mean, I'm going to beat this drum until everyone focuses on it. But you look at how Democrats, the Democrats never drag on. There's no such thing as a blue state trifecta that doesn't get things done. They pretty much get it done in a year or two after claiming it. And then afterwards, I mean, there's not much more they can do. They do think of new radical things they expand on. But there's no waiting period. They do it right away. Obviously, Florida is our closest to... uh, Minnesota, but as I explained, you know, the Florida Senate president is a big liberal. It's gotten better over time, but it's still, that's the best state, and it's nowhere there. In Texas, we can't get much else passed. So this is where it needs to be, in the states. We need to fight in the states. It would make this entire presidential election irrelevant if we made every Republican state like Minnesota. And again, I mean, I'm talking talking about Republicans have in Texas massive majorities, even more in some other states. Democrats have a one seat majority in the Minnesota Senate, but it's completely California, completely Hawaii, Maryland, Massachusetts, no difference. Think about it. They, 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 historically, they barely controlled the Senate. Most of the time, Republicans have. They got it by one seat. They could easily lose it if you do all this stuff, right? But they don't care. They are willing to do whatever it takes. Is it too much to ask that we find some sort of representation in a handful of states? I'll take just three that do the same thing. So by the way, by the way Bob Hall... Um, You know, most of his medical freedom bills aren't going anywhere, but it was heard last week in committee, Senate Joint Resolution 66. Call up your your reps there and your state senators. It's a constitutional amendment to bodily autonomy. Um, There's also SB 666, which goes after the medical boards for punishing doctors. Um, That is sitting in the Senate Health and Human Services Committee. Um, there's also SB 304 there. So look these up. I mean, I'm trying my best. I haven't had the time to really get on top of this, but you know, I, I shudder to think, imagine if Trump, rather than doing what he's doing now, would focus his energy on shaming these rhinos into passing good bills. We'd be better off for it. But alas, this is where we are. This is where we are. And I want to, I want to demonstrate, 
one particular issue that is so vital to push in the red states that we could do it tomorrow, we would totally stem the tide of a national issue more effectively than anything House Republicans could do, even if they're united. And meanwhile, you have people like, um, what's his name, the the patch guy, um, Crenshaw, and another Texas guy, Tony Gonzalez, fighting with Chip Roy, who believes in endless illegal immigration, by the way, endorsed by Donald Trump in a primary. Um, he's holding up that border bill. But even if you had it, you can't force the Biden administration to enforce the law. They're just not going to do it. You could you could prohibit things, but they're just not going to enforce the border. So if you give more money to DHS, it's just going to be used for more circuitous uh trespassing and and uh, human trafficking which is what DHS is doing in addition to just spying on on Americans too so the solution is in the states and once again we turn to Florida there is a very good bill I want to talk about and another one in Texas that we need to push but first our final sponsor today speaking of uh <laughs> speaking of this surveillance um, you don't even need DHS doing this. Basically, we're living in this era of tyranny on the internet where not only are you being censored, but you're being monitored by big tech, big government, working literally hand in glove. That's why I recommend a mask. Believe it or not, this is the one time I believe in masking. Masking your IP address with ExpressVPN um, so they cannot see what you're clicking on. When I use ExpressVPN, they can't see my IP address. My identity becomes anonymous by secure VPN. ExpressVPN encrypts 100% of my network uh, traffic. So that also helps against hackers and eavesdroppers. And it's really easy to use just one tap of a button. You could have a family plan with five devices all on there, which I have all mine, um, the phones and the laptop, the desktop. So don't give big tech and big government the power to control your information. Use that little power you have over them to put a mask on your computer, defend your rights, protect yourself at expressvpn.com slash conservative. That's the URL. That's E-X-P-R-E-S-S-V-P-N.com slash conservative. And if you do that, you get three months free again with expressvpn.com slash conservative. So during oral arguments in the famous Arizona v. U.S. case in 2012 when Arizona wanted to complement and supplement federal immigration law, Justice Scalia rhetorically asked, what does sovereignty mean if it does not include the ability to defend your borders? And he wasn't referring to the national border, he was referring to state borders. And he made it very clear that states have the right to self-defense. You can't have criminals just flooding your border, and if the feds decide they don't want to secure it, and in fact, it's not just that. They're downright working with the cartels. I've been, I've been yelling this for years. You're not at the mercy of the feds. Um, Scalia said, are the sovereign states at the mercy of the federal executive's refusal to enforce the nation's immigration laws? A good way of answering that question is to ask, would the state or states conceivably have entered into the union if the Constitution itself contained this court's ruling? Well, here we are. We have about 8 million illegals in Biden's two years. So about 6 million apprehensions. About half of them do remain. And then probably as many as about 2 million gotaways. An unimaginable amount of drunk drivers, of sex offenders, of gangbangers, of murderers, rapists, sex traffickers, drug traffickers. 
I mean, you could not possibly break a social compact more than this. Now, I, I just, I know, once I, whenever I discuss immigration, I kind of get off into tangents because I have so much to say, um, just being a subject matter expert on this for so many years. But I just want to say, we, we talked about for many times um, that, again, obviously, it is in the compact clause. A state could prevent an invasion, and it's actually directly in the Constitution. But even if it wasn't, even if the feds had complete control and the states cannot enforce it, and the U.S. v. Arizona were correct, you reach a point where the Constitution can't be a suicide pact. Okay? Like, I'm sick of this, oh, a state can't deport. Yeah, but what happens if the feds violate every word of the INA and then the social compact itself, meaning, you get what I'm saying, it's not like they're working in good faith, but they disagree on a statutory interpretation. No, they're trying to work to invade their own country. So what, the states are supposed to just do nothing about it? Jefferson once said, it's a really important quote to bookmark, a strict observance of the written law is doubtless one of the high duties of a good citizen, but it is not the highest the laws of necessity, of self-preservation, of saving our country when in danger are of higher obligation. To lose our country by a scrupulous adherence to the written law would be to lose the law itself with life, liberty, property, and all those who are enjoying them with us, thus absurdly sacrificing the ends to the means. It's a very important quote because it speaks a lot to the times we live in where, you know, and I'll say this with energy. With energy is a big example. They're literally boxing us out of the American dream. They're banning cars, banning products that work, banning energy. States need to start having their own energy policy, their own manufacturing policy. Well, Daniel, it's interstate commerce. It's precluded by all the, you know, Clean Water, Clear Act, yada, yada, yada. So a couple things. First of all, a good amount or most of the most odious policies that are doing all of this are administrative fiat and they're not really supported by even those bad acts of congress but moreover even if they were so let's say the government is open we want to make you poor you will own nothing eat bugs and be happy so what we're supposed to be and they do that in violation of the constitution what so in the, at the state level we're supposed to be constricted then the Constitution's worthless if the only time we apply it is to constrict ourselves and restrict ourselves from combating their constitutional violations. Again, famously, Justice Robert Jackson in Terminillo v. City of Chicago, 1949. Those of you who want to know where the Constitution being a suicide pact came from, it came from that case. Justice Jackson, who, by the way, understood the Constitution, due process, he was the lead uh, prosecutor at Nuremberg, he was the main dissent in the Korematsu case. There is danger that if the court does not temper its doctrin doctrinaire logic with a little practical wisdom, it will convert the Constitutional Bill of Rights into a suicide pact. Unless we temper our obsession with a system... No, so, so, that was his quote. So, here's the deal. I don't want to hear this business, oh, could a state do that? Could the feds do that? So anyway, here's where we are. Um, Florida is about to pass. It passed out of the Senate on Friday. 
late Friday, 27 to 10. Mandatory e-verify. Public, private. So it's not just the government. A lot of states have the government, state government, but private. And it fines them $1,000 per day per illegal. So for one illegal, that would be several hundred thousand a year. Um, and they could face suspension of their business license. Um, there are a few states that have mandatory verified, but they don't really have enforcement, and that's why they're not enforced. Hence, all the agricultural interests in all the red states openly, I mean, have all, all the illegals. So we finally did it. It's finally there. Um, it's SB 1718 if you want to look it up. It provides another $12 million in funding for DeSantis to remove illegal aliens like he did with um, the Martha's Vineyard thing. So to openly do that now, it makes it a felony to transport illegal aliens. It enhances human smuggling penalties for those who smuggle a minor or multiple people or it makes it worse when the defendant has a prior conviction for human smuggling. Um, in other words, it finally makes illegal immigration illegal. No benefits, no transportation, no, no indulgence. For years, I've said it's not about border security. If you invite them, they're going to come. If you don't invite them, they don't come. So we're like, well, you have to come here legally. You're officially subject to prosecution if you come. But here's a job. Here's Benny's. In fact, the courts are going to mandate you get education. You get health care. You show up to the ERs. Um, you get fake identities, and we won't um, prosecute you. So here it does that. In addition, it nullifies any forms of IDs granted by either blue city governments in Florida or other states, including red states, by the way, giving um, driver's licenses. So if you're an illegal and you have a, a Utah driver's license, which insanely Utah gives it out among a few other red states and all blue states, so it will be deemed as if you're driving illegally without a license. It's, it's, it's not recognized. Um, in addition, using fake IDs to gain employment would become a felony. So again, without ID, without transportation, without... This bill really covers everything. Now, I just want to say it had all of DeSantis's promises except for one. Um, if you remember uh, Senator Scott, who was governor before DeSantis, he gave in-state tuition to illegals. It just shows you how far we are with this party. Like, Rick Scott was the conservative alternative to Mitch McConnell for Senate Majority Leader, but this is what he believed in. DeSantis called for an end of it. The bill does not have it. Doesn't have it. And I'm, I just bring that up because, you know, we talked about the health care bill. Just understand, he's getting a lot. He's getting most of what he wants. But even then, he does have to joust with them. And and the legislature, from what I heard, was very clear. They just didn't have the votes to end that, which is a shame. Now, I could bash the bill because it didn't contain that provision, but you'd be stupid not to take it. So, again, just it's another understanding of... A, it's a great bill. We need it in every state. We need to promote it. But at the same time, you just see how in all 50 states, including every red state, we don't have conservative majorities. Finally, in recognition that much of this battle is really a PR battle, which it is. It's definitely a PR battle. If people would only know the degree of criminality and cost that illegals causes, it would cause more of a groundswell. So they require hospitals to have an intake form where the patient... Um, says whether they are a citizen, uh, LPR, legal permanent resident, or here without status, here illegally. And the hospital will then report, you know, they'll be able to tally so the state could see how many illegals are getting service and how many are, um, you know, and, and, and the cost. They also has to tally the cost. 
So if you would do this bill, 1718 in every single red state, it either would deter legal immigration altogether or would channel it to all blue states, which I'm fine with. Because, frankly, the Americans living there are at least as bad. So it's already a, you know, crap hole. So go, go, go have at it, but leave us alone. But no, I mean, we already talked about how Governor Stitton in Oklahoma and Brad Little in Idaho worked to get driver's licenses for illegals. Now, they didn't ultimately succeed. We fought it, but we had to spend our time going on defense, fighting not to make current law worse in the red states rather than doing something like this. Truly a disgrace. Now, obviously, the state where this matters most is Texas because it's not just a matter of interior enforcement, but there it's the border. It's so, first of all, you have Texas's E-Verify bill, if you guys want to fight this, is SB 1621. That is their version of it. And I'll tell you, it's stuck in the Senate committee. And, of course, Greg Abbott has not voiced support for it. He's just kind of quiet. Now, we had Mark Meckler on. They had the rally on Saturdays. So I know some of you were there. The, the other bill is Texas HB 20, proposed by Matt Schaefer. Very important. It would create a special border enforcement unit to repel the invasion. Remember, right now, what Operation Lone Star does is they apprehend the illegals, but then they hand them over to the feds so they could be thrown into the country rather than just cutting out the feds and throwing them out, which is what they need to do. Um, in addition, it also makes trespassing on private property by illegals a, sp a special state felony, so you could hit them up on that. Um, and then the Senate version is Brian Birdwell would prescribe jail time for a person caught re-entering after being removed and a life sentence for convicted felons caught re-entering. Because you need that, by the way. Some of you might have seen this illegal in Texas just killed five people. I think they were all illegals, the victims also. Uh, but uh, he re-entered like five, six times, and that's the thing. Generally, I don't want to hold other countries illegals. I just want to dissuade them, kick them out. If you demagnetize, can't get an ID, can't get a job, can't get Benny's that would take care of most of it. But then, you know, those that do constantly re-enter, you, you do need to hold them then. Then you need to have a deterrent, and you do need to lock them up, and that's what we need. We need states to start doing this. So we definitely need support behind that. So, number one, there's a classic example. Everyone's like, oh, my gosh, look at Biden and, and the border. Even Mitch McConnell, after 20 years of fighting us on this issue, he's finally talking about it. But it's BS. It's too late. It's too little too late. You're never going to wind up doing anything until January 2025. We can't wait. We're literally, we're, we're, we're literally dealing with hundreds of thousands of illegals every month. It can't wait. If you really cared about the issue, not just the talking point, and Republican governors also complain about it. But then they privately are like, oh, we need driver's licenses. Well, what do you mean? Do you want them or not? Stop this double game. If every state would follow DeSantis on illegal immigration, you would solve the problem overnight. That's number one. But there's a separate important no notion here that I want to um, get off my chest. I start out with, with, with the legal part. The Constitution not being a suicide pact. So a lot of you will ask me, well, Daniel, won't, won't it be taken to court? Well, it definitely will be taken to court. Um, and, and this is the thing. See, there are a lot of terrible opinions that have been rendered by the Supreme Court for ages. And while I am not really a fan of 
a- Amy Barrett and Kavanaugh in many, many ways, and even Gorsuch with a, with a couple of issues. Grading on a curve, we do have the best Supreme Court we've ever had. I mean, because, you know, it's it's those guys, as much as they're not like Thomas, but they are obviously a lot better than Ginsburg and Kennedy. So all those opinions that were rendered under them, we need to challenge it. But all these red states like, no, Daniel, there's a Supreme Court ruling. Well, you idiot, do what you did with Roe v. Wade with Dobbs and you openly challenge it. Openly challenge it. Set up a challenge. DeSantis did this um, recently with, oh, what's that court ruling? Kennedy v. Louisiana in 2008. That was another one of those from Kennedy um, where they said you cannot use the death penalty for non-murder. So there's been a whole bunch of cases. Miller, there's actually a Florida case too. Basically, they, they, they're chipping away. You can't use the death penalty for uh, juvenile murders. You can't use the death penalty for for child rape. You can't use even life in prison without parole for, for juveniles. Now, I mean, they, they kept expanding and expanding and expanding. All those rulings need to be challenged. So Florida actually just set up a challenge on Kennedy v. Louisiana with that bill to give the death penalty to rapists, the only state doing that. Again, every day there's a new thing there, every day. By the way, today he's announcing RICO prosecutions against Antifa. Every day there's something new. Daniel, you've become a DeSantis fanboy. Well, part of the reason is because my purview, as you well know, is state legislatures and making red states red again. So it's a little hard for me not to notice one guy a million light years away from everyone else. And a lot of people are like criticizing him. Well, Daniel, it's not enough. And I'm like, I kind of agree with you. But that all the more so makes the point that why is he the only one? That should be the baseline minimum in every state. Let's face it, even Florida is not our version of Minnesota. Think about it. What's our version of cutting someone's balls off and taking away a kid from a parent if the parent doesn't accede to cutting the balls off? You say, well, Daniel, passing bills, banning castration for minors. First of all, we couldn't even get that past a lot of red states, but even the red states we did, like, really? That's not a, I mean, that I'm glad we did it, but that's not like the red state version of a blue state. That's sanity. The red state version would be, I don't know, giving the death penalty to someone who do that, does that. But that's not insane. <laughs> that's actually sane. Well, what would be... I want you guys to indulge me. Send me ideas. Daniel Horowitz at startmail.com. What would be the red state equivalent of what Minnesota is doing? I can't even think of it. But we can't even get the basics. But anyway, back to this. This... Uh, 1718, SB 1718, the uh, E-Verify bill and the Interior Enforcement bill, it sets up a challenge to Arizona, the U.S., which is very important. Now, as you well know, I don't give a darn about the courts. Even if they say we're going to, the Supreme Court sticks with it, even the, you know, Kavanaugh and Gorsuch and, and Barrett, the new members on the court that weren't a part of that ruling, I don't care. The Constitution is not a suicide pact. Again, not that the court is the Constitution. The Constitution is the way I said. They're wrong on it. But even if they'd be right on it, you can't have the federal government invade and we can't do anything about it. That's simply absurd. That's simply absurd. So this is where we are in the red states. Every day DeSantis is doing something and you're like, yeah, that's pretty basic. Why haven't we been doing it until now? And as I noted, we could get even more. The legislature is watering down 
some of his proposals. Remember, he's asking like 15, 20 different things, and each one has sub-issues. He's getting a lot, but each one, they are getting watered down a little bit. Tim Walz has no such problem in Minnesota because every single Democrat is a Soros, Klaus Schwab, transhumanist. I don't have time to get to this today, but we talk about energy as similar to legal immigration, that states need to fight back. Yet, red states, as I've noted a lot, I'm the only one talking about this, they're the biggest purveyors of solar, wind, ethanol, and carbon capture. We're going to try to have on a, a landowner from South Dakota this week. They're getting notices. They're getting petitions of condemnation where they're just rolling in and grabbing their land without the Public Service Commission. Because they have private use, eminent eminent domain there. How is that even constitutional? Using your land for something subsidized by government, all built on a carbon lie to capture carbon and then store it underground forever, sit on a budget carbon. People are insane. The guy who has the petition, we're going to talk about this, is Christy Nome's former chief of staff working for Carbon Solutions, as well as the current South Dakota State GOP treasuries, or, uh, yeah, tre- treasurer, one of the top party officials. You have the GOP promoting green energy land grabs. So not just promoting green energy, but grabbing private land to do it. This is what red states are about. So I don't want to hear this, oh, what's going to happen at the federal level? You don't have enough Democrats in South Dakota to populate the committees. Yet the Republicans are the Democrats. It's not even just that they're not doing what DeSantis is doing and actively passing good things. They're passing bad things, or they're not even passing. They're utilizing antiquated laws to, to do this. Just the opposite. We had they have a lightning fast, by the way. They have like a like a 41 or 40 day session. 40 day session in South Dakota, and then they're gone for the rest of the year. They're, they're out. We had a bill, it passed the House 40 to 28, um, to end this um, you know, carbon capture land grab. Senate committee unanimously killed it. Christy Nome was dead silent, which means she, she supports it. Again, I mean, all of her associates and lobbyists and staff are literally part of this Carbon Solutions company. It's mainly a GOP-backed company, by the way. And imagine that. They have no recourse. How's that for limited government? Oh, we have a short legislative session. Yeah, now their property is on the, on the line. And we have to wait another what? Another eight months? to even start the process of fighting it, their land's going to be gone by then. This is red state America. Any conservative commentator figure not addressing this point, I don't just mean the carbon capture or illegal immigration, I'm just giving you examples, but I can go on and on on every issue. How the culture of not just traditional liberalism, but transhuman, you know, eat bugs and green energy and illegal aliens and and medical tyranny and balls cutting is going on in every red state. You know, Indianapolis, the largest, you know, the state capital, Indiana, they just declared themselves a sanctuary city. Republicans have like, I don't quote me on this, but it's like one, one chamber, it's like three to one. The other one, it's about four to one ratio of Republicans to Democrats. And they can't even end sanctuary cities? 
that are so unpopular. And yet, Tim Waltz in Minnesota could get balls cutting with a one-seat majority. Until that imbalance is rectified, nothing else in politics matters. Because anything you're promising to do at a federal level, you will never have this degree of GOP power that you already command in all these states. And, it, and it's meaningless. Okay, so with that said, I, th- I want to focus the remaining few minutes here on the presidential election. And I'm glad I gave you that 45-minute preface to this. I mean, that's the main course today. <laughs> but obviously, because you know where I'm coming from. My biggest thing is we need a national voice the person that supposedly closest, you know, most likely represents us, not that the Republican Party does and that the leader of the Republican Party does, but, you know, in politics, that's kind of how it is. Our side, and I don't consider myself a Republican, I don't even consider myself a so-called conservative anymore, I don't even know what that means, but, um, you know, the, the leader of the GOP party, which is obviously the presidential nominee, has that voice. To me, I've said this a number of times, we can't wait until January 2025, and that's just beginning and all the work you have to do, and how much could you actually fix the federal government? I'm very skeptical about that. To me, the important thing is a voice for everything we just talked about, a voice for other states to do this. Now, gee, who would be the most effective voice in that? It just happens to be that one of the people... I mean, he's not in yet, but I mean, everything that is happening, he's running around the world. He has a super PAC. He's obviously going to run any week at this point. Um, in my view, you should run sooner rather than later, get in before it's too late. But um, it's obviously DeSantis. But what I was hoping, I'm just going to give you my 30,000 foot view of the first month or so of this race, you know, even without DeSantis officially in, but kind of in, is this. I expected that everyone would forget all the bad things Trump has done to us on the right, and he'd promise the moon, and people would be all gaga about about it, but okay, that's great, because let each one vie to the right, and at least give us that attention, so at least our issues could get attention, and raise the prominence, and maybe we could even pressure to achieve some of that in the states during the presidential election. We don't have to wait until you control the federal government. Awesome. But instead, and maybe I shouldn't be surprised, Trump has moved to the left on every issue. And the more he moves to the left, the more conservative media circles the wagons around him. It's just so bizarre. So my biggest observation is Trump could move to the left all he wants and nothing he says or does will prompt a condemnation. I'm not even asking all these guys, and you could name them, take t- take the top 100 voices. I'm not even talking about endorse DeSantis or not endorse Trump. You could even endorse the guy for whatever reason you'd want to, but at least just say, hey, hey buddy, you're off message. This is not okay. Nothing. So he believes blue states should be free to kill at all stages of pregnancy with abortion, where he's taking that all off the table of, you know, doing that at a federal level. But red states shouldn't be free to define marriage. Think about that. 
I mean, this is a man who celebrated, not just celebrated gay marriage, but celebrated the passage of Biden's bill mandating it on red states in Mar-a-Lago. He's joining with every liberal media to attack DeSantis. They're literally pointing out the media doesn't like him. The media is making fun out of him. Well, doesn't that tell you something? That the media is now against DeSantis and has, is not really going against Trump? What does that tell you? Oh, DeSantis is not nice enough to the rhinos. He doesn't kiss up to the donors. That's literally what they're attacking him. So he preemptively surrendered abortion on the national stage, joins with Bud Light, joins with Disney, on the, those are the biggest issues of our time with ESG, dumps on Florida every day, says the shot saved millions of people, signals the coming of more horrible endorsements, by the way, in the Senate, and and now he put out this thing like saying New York did better with COVID than Florida. I mean, what? So I, aside from the fact that his data is is, is obviously wrong, but um, so is he implying that he now supports lockdowns? Right? Because that has nothing to do with the shots. Until now, we're like, okay, everyone opposed lockdowns, but Trump supports the clot shots. Okay, but does that mean he's still endorsing the lockdowns? Which he said very far into it. I mean. As, as late as, like, January 2022, that his lockdown saved millions of people, just like his shots. Everyone from McCarthy to Rubio to Nikki Haley to Asa Hutchinson, and yes, Donald J. Trump, are siding with Disney against DeSantis. What the freaking hell? Conservative media is okay with this? I don't understand. You're going to tear down the one success story we've had and again, those of you who think DeSantis didn't do enough, all the more so. It shows how much we're in trouble in every other red state and how much more we need to do. And he's now the problem. They won't say a word. And I guess we're back to Trump being able to shoot people in broad daylight in Fifth Avenue and no one will abandon him. I'm not even saying to abandon him. I'm just saying, like, just like, hey, dude, this is not cool. You need to focus on our issues you need to move to the right, not to the left. That's all I ask. Trump's super PAC is out with another 1.5 million weekly installment in ads against DeSantis. So far, they've spent 7.6 million against DeSantis and just 1,500 on positive for himself. If that doesn't embody his campaign, I don't know what does. And and look, I understand it's it's fun. I mean, if you're running in a primary, that's what you're going to do, and they have a, the right to run negative ads. I mean, that's part of competition. It's I'm not inherently troubled by that. It just, what they're running on is so bizarre. We're okay with this? This is what bothers me. Um, I don't even care if you want to say, let him win the primary and whatever. I, I don't even care. It bothers me the fact that he's able to run to the left on our seminal issues, target Florida, side with New York and California against Florida, side with Disney, side against us on the Bud Light thing, Screw us on abortion and gay marriage. And it's like, and continue with all his horrible endorsements, by the way. And they're fine with it. The reason that bothers me is it portends for the future. If this is how they are in a primary, you could only imagine a general election. And if he would become president, which I'm very doubtful of. They'll be like, well, you can't harm it. We, we can't criticize it. We got, the, we got to worry about the Democrats. Th now is the time. We always hear 
It's not the time, but the Democrats, but the Democrats. Well, now is the beginning of the primaries. We've got a long way to go just to even Iowa, much less the general election. So we've got a lot of time to sort this out. And no one will utter a peep. This guy has done egregious things to the left of everyone. And there's no problem. Some people I hear is like, well, Daniel, that's just theatrics. That's just kind of what Trump does. But since when is there a Trump exception to truth and justice and bearing false witness? What, we're somehow okay with that? So he's able to run to the left, but only for theatrics. But but it's Trump, so I'm, I'm okay with it. What the hell is that? I'm just sick of this. Are we really going to tear down our one success story that DeSantis is somehow a, now a dirtbag and the worst person in the world because he doesn't do all the things that we actually hated career politicians doing and we always said we wanted someone to do and we'll tolerate every left-wing statement from Trump and ignore every problem yet in the administration and never hold him accountable like, hey, Trump, how are we going to have confidence that we're not going to have these policy and personnel issues we had in your first term? And, um, you know, <clears throat> that's what bothers me. That's what bothers me the most. That's my thing. I couldn't give a darn about 2025. I, I shudder to think how quickly the world is going with them banning medicine, creating viruses, banning cars, cutting off balls, hundreds of thousands of illegals a month, letting out violent criminals simultaneously at breakneck speed while locking up and surveilling our people. I, we can't wait. I don't even, I, I shudder to think what's going to happen. We need state interposition. But who among the presidential candidates will be helpful to that vision? Now, I don't mean like in two years from now, who will be neutral and who will be harmful to it. That's what I want you to think about. It's a unique presidential election, at least from my vantage point. I don't even care about who's ultimately in the Oval Office. We need a shot in the arm now of someone who's going to give voice to red states being red, not someone who's going to make red states be happy and content with being blue because that's what he's doing. You see, in some ways, I'd, I would literally rather have Nikki Haley or Mike Pence than Trump. Not that it's ever going to happen. They're never going to get out of the single digits, but um, I would rather have them. And the reason is because when they come out with their stupid things like don't fight Disney, everyone was going to pile on them. Trump says it, radio silence. Trump makes the establishment great again. He makes blue policies great again. Because if Trump does it, then it's cool. It's for good reasons. And that is so dangerous. We've lived this for seven years with him, and I'm sick of it. That's what scares me. He is the only person I've had in my career. We always knew we could rely on the right flank, the rightmost part of the party, however small or big it may be, to combat the establishment. What he does is he paralyzes that side because among them is a good percentage that just loves him to death, to their own death, to their own demise, to the demise of our country, that they won't hold the man, just give him pressure. I said last week, like a lot of people were on DeSantis's case, they wanted a better bill than 252. And I was like, man, that's, that's a good sign. But why is it that only the guy that's doing 100 times more than other governors is getting the pressure and no one else? And it's only there. 
And again, that's being gaslit in the background by Trump people. Um, that's why it has so much prominence. So a lot of legitimate medical freedom people, I don't want to call them frauds, are concerned about that and they were on top of it. And I'm like, that's great. <laughs> that tells me DeSantis is going to be on a very short leash. In many ways, that's a good thing. I, I want that. But can't we hold Trump on that same short leash? Especially because he has done 100 times worse than DeSantis on policy. So, like, could we kind of, you know, whatever we would say about Mitch McConnell, you literally have McConnell, McCarthy, Rubio, Haley, Pence, Hutchinson, and Trump all joining, and the media, and the donors all joining together to bash DeSantis. What does that tell you, folks? Well, send me your comments, questions, concerns, and your thoughts on this and more to Daniel Horowitz at startmail.com. We have a lot more coming this week. So much information we're going to pack. We will stay on message, stay focused on as many issues as we can. Outcomes, outcomes. That's what we need to think about strategically, about our outcomes. Till tomorrow, God bless you all, and thank you for listening.